0: Welcome back to the Outreach Project family. This is Josh.
1: This is Zach.
0: We are joined with... Brad Miller. How are you, Brad?
1: I'm good. How are you? I'm good. good.
0: Um, You want to just start with kind of who you are, what you do?
1: Sure. Yeah. Sure. So I grew up over in Allen County in Huntertown, and I went to a little Mennonite church. I was raised in a home that really honored Jesus Uh, My mom and dad modeled Jesus well. They weren't perfect, but they modeled Jesus well. And uh, so I accepted Jesus uh, when I was around seven, got baptized, and walked with him until I got to the end of high school and got pretty rebellious uh, inwardly at first. And that's one of the things that I realized, oh yeah, the inward rebellions Mm. definitely started early um, in, in high school, and then I got out of high school, and then that that inward rebellion began working its way outside and became more visible. Uh, My parents did an amazing job of loving me through that. I was still living at home in those early young adult years, and they knew what I was doing, and they did not like it. They did not approve of it. I knew that they didn't approve of it, but they didn't preach to me every time I, came home. You know, they didn't, they weren't just harping on me all the time. They loved me. And so we had a relationship that went outside that went, that was bigger than my rebellion, if that makes sense. Uh, And then a couple years of that. And one night I came home really late and my mom was still up. She was still up and she was sitting in a chair. I'm like, that's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to be there. You're supposed to be in bed. And, and she just, she didn't, again, she didn't preach. She didn't nag me. She just uh, asked me if I would go read a couple Bible verses. And it was about how a rebellious lifestyle leads to death. It was in the Proverbs. I went, so I went upstairs and I read it, and it was like a two-by-four hitting me in the head. Like it was just the Holy Spirit just used, used his word to convict me and... And so I went to sleep. And then I got up the next day, and the first thing, like, it was still present with me when I woke up, like, immediately. And so I literally just slipped down out of bed onto my knees on the floor and prayed and repented, and he restored me. And by his grace, here I am decades later. And, like, when, if you would have known me during those years, you would have thought, Brad, a, a pastor? Pfft, no. That's never going to happen. But God God transforms lives, like literally from dead to life. Mm-hmm. And so, so here I am.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've heard many, many stories mm-hmm. of transformation. We've mm-hmm. heard stories of steady faith as yes. well, which is cool. But... Yes.
1: Yeah, I actually love the stories of people who didn't have rebellious lives all the way through. I love those stories because it's the... Once we become Christians, it's easy to slip into Pharisee mode. It's easy to slip into that mode of just being good. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear testimonies of, from people who, who didn't have that visible rebellion, but they still recognize, apart from Christ, I am a sinner and I need saved mm-hmm. by His grace, I love those stories. Yeah. I wish I had that because yeah. there's less baggage with that. But yeah, we all have our baggage. I think...
0: So. All Christians would prefer (laughs) that Mm -hmm. story, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. So you are our outreach and missions pastor.
1: Missions and discipleship pastor. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So that's talk about that's my role here. Actually, can I back up and share about my family a little bit? Yeah. 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 Sure. All right. So uh, I have a wife named Brenda of 31 years. We've been we've been together for 31 years. Uh, We have four daughters and the oldest lives in the chicago area and is a worship leader up there worship pastor the second one is living in indy and she is uh, working her way into event planning and management she has a degree in that and so she is working towards that she has our only grandson and so we are grandparents and love that his name is zayden uh Then we have Molly. She is married to Jaden and they live in Fort Wayne and he's a pastor. one of the worship pastors at pathway community church in Fort Wayne. And then our youngest daughter, Sadie still lives with us, but she's an adult and working and, uh, making her way. So, Oh, and then also my mom lives with us too. Uh, my mom is a fantastic lady. Like I said, she our she loved, she and my dad loved me back into the kingdom. And, uh, we're grateful to have her living with us. And she, when we moved to Columbia city, she then moved in with us. So she kind of has her own apartment space and, and, but we share our house together. Yeah. So that's, yeah, so that's my family. Uh, My role, um, we, I, I love how our church loves people and we try to do that really well. And that loving God and loving people, I mean, that's all part of the discipleship piece. So discipleship practically works out to uh, like classes and groups, classes and small groups. But the point of that is not just to learn more stuff or just to hang around people. The point of that is that we get better at following Jesus. We get better at loving people and loving him with all our heart, growing deeper in the word, all of that. And then the outreach part is uh, I get to... I have the privilege of being able to lead our church in missions and outreach, and so that's both global and local. Uh, we actually just got back from a trip. I was one of eight who got to go to Belize just a, a week and a half ago, and uh, we went to Belize and got to work with an organization, Kids Connect for Jesus, got to uh, spend time with them and in a, one of the elementary schools down there, and got to do our, some of our VBS, our stellar summer blast material in the schools with the kids down there so that was really cool
0: yeah we'll get back to that later okay um when did you come to first church
1: came to first church in 2019 yeah 2019 uh so we were here about a year and thought we were starting to get to know people like starting to like okay this is a pretty big church and so felt like oh, we're starting to know more people than we don't know, at least know their faces and stuff. And then COVID hit, and so then we were you know, shut down for three months, and then everybody came back with masks on, and so it, it took us a while. So I feel like that set us back in our, in our time in just being connected here. Uh, prior to that, I was pastoring. Uh, my wife and I and our family had been at a small church in Leo for about 20 years, and i had various roles there including including doing the lead pastor role and preaching every sunday uh, but our church had gone through a lot of trauma mm-hmm. before before i took that lead role a lot of just fracturing kinds of things happening in the church and so uh, when i took over like it was it was pretty brutal when we got there in 1998 the church was like almost 400 and by the time I started oh, preaching...
0: Oh, this was like the first church you started at?
1: Uh, it was the second church second I was at. Church. Yeah. The first church I was just part-time. I didn't realize you were there for
0: that long. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah, about 20 years. Started in 98, and uh, there was about 400 people there. And through all of those fractures, uh, by the time I started as the lead pastor in 2009, we were down to like 120, 140 maybe. and. So it was it was hard because, like, with all that fracture, like, that's just hard relationally. Mm-hmm. And so we learned. I feel like God used me and the other leadership at the time. He taught us how to love each other again and how to trust each other again, how to work as a family again, gave us a real desire to reach our community. But we over the seven years I did that, we weren't gaining traction. Like, we weren't actually doing much outreach. And so... Um, as we prayed about it, we ended up uh, merging with another church, a larger church that was on the edge of Fort Wayne, and uh, had real affirmation to do that like everybody was all in with it. It was great it was a good move for us as a church, a good move for that church that church was ready to branch into the multiple campus mm-hmm. thing, and I was going to be the campus pastor at our at our location and then uh, some some leadership problems happened involving sin and in leadership, and and how that got handled and stuff. It was just—I mean, I don't think anybody would disagree. It was pretty tumultuous for a year and a half, and we stayed there as long as we could, as long as we felt like uh, we could we could be there with integrity. And then there came a point where we felt like we couldn't be there with integrity anymore. So where you like couldn't submit to that authority anymore. Where, it, Part, it was partly that, it was, it was the leadership saying, look, this is, this is the direction we're going, the decision's been made, we're, we're done talking about it, we're done discussing it, and, and so this is the direction we're going. And we just knew that we could not follow that direction. We couldn't, we couldn't go that route. And so I resigned, and Brendan and I had talked about it beforehand. But I resigned, and that was one of those for me real faith stretchers because I like to have a plan. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with the plan being flexible. I'm okay with that. Yeah. In fact, I think that you have to be flexible if you, if you're living and breathing in this world, you have to be flexible. But we, uh, I, we had no plan. I didn't have a clue where I was going. We didn't know anything, and so the. Uh, Right in that window of time, uh, I was contacted by one of the pastors here, and they asked me if I was interested in a job. They had some openings, and that that was when there were two openings here. And there was another church up in Auburn. And so we started praying and, you know, started the process with both places. And and really, as we started coming here, we just knew, like, the Lord just led us here. And we we had decided—so I resigned in September— And by early November, we had decided, you know what, regardless of a job, I don't know where a job is going to land me, but for the time until we get a job, we're going to be part of First Church because it had just, God just was so using it in our lives because that year and a half was really, it really was hard on us as a family. And so uh, we're really grateful to be able to, we felt like we got a lot of healing here and then ended up. Uh, getting hired in February of 2019, so about okay. four and a half months or something, four months uh, without a job, which was again that was a real stretch. One of those that that once I got the job, I was like, wow, Lord, I, you know, when everything's going well, sometimes it's it's just easy to not exercise your faith as much as yeah, you'd like you to, do. and so when things are hard, you. You get an opportunity to stretch that. I was like, "Okay, Lord, thanks. I, I really, I really do trust you. I really do." Like that was for me. That was a really big thing, really big moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: what was I going to ask? During that transition to first church, mm-hmm. you were attending here as a member.
1: Not as a no, member. No. Okay. Yeah.
0: Sorry. Not as an official like right. member, but you were attending services mm-hmm. and.
1: And whatnot. we hadn't, like, we weren't doing small groups or doing any classes yeah. or anything like that. But we were just coming here on Sunday morning, and we did, we did, hop around a little bit. Like at that point, our daughter, that's now in Chicago, um, she helped do some worship leading at Pathway as well, mm-hmm. as well as our future son-in-law. He wasn't our son-in-law then, but we knew him already. Uh, so, so we went to Pathway a few times. We, you yeah. know, we popped around to a few different churches, but. But we primarily landed here, and, and it was really good for our souls. And then really grateful. When, when did you move here? So I started in February of 19, and we immediately started looking for a house because Leah was about a 45-minute yeah. drive from here. And for us, like living that far away and trying to – like for me to try to pastor or be a, be a part of a community and be a part – one of the shepherds in a community – I don't wanna do that from a distance. Yeah. So we looked and looked and it took us about four months and we found something uh, right here in town. And so uh, we moved in June and yeah, and we've been here ever since. We love the community, we love Columbia City. Columbia City is big enough to be its own place. Where Leo, Leo's great, we loved it. We were there for 20 years almost. So we loved it, but it's a smaller town and pretty much everybody goes to Fort Wayne for most things. Yeah. And we're here like it just feels like there's much more of a sense of community again nothing against leo it was great we loved raising our family there but we really are enjoying columbia city and the community that's here yeah that's great um what are some of your hobbies just a little lighter note hobbies um i i used to race bikes i don't race bikes anymore but like like 10-speed style bikes, go oh. on road racing. I used to do that when I was a young adult. That was that actually overlapped both my rebellious years and into my my <laughs> redeemed years. Uh, loved doing that. And when I kind of, I mean, I still might go out and ride every now and then, but it, I don't have time to train to race. Um, <laughs> but I uh, transitioned into running, and so I do some running. I've done some races and that. Not like I'm not. Competitive. I, I compete <laughs> against myself, let's put it that yeah. way. Uh, so I like running, uh, love being with my family. I just love my family. We took a vacation to Gatlinburg, and that's the first time since, since everybody's, or most of the girls are out of the house. That's the first vacation we've done where everybody came back together and met up and did a vacation together. So I love just, just being with family. Um, I don't read as much as I like, but I, I love reading. Uh, I have a motorcycle. I like riding my motorcycle. That's fun. Uh, I don't. I don't like. It's not the kind of motorcycle you go out and like drive four states from here. Um, it's the kind you go out and ride for thirty minutes or an hour, and that's yeah. that's good. Uh, but I really enjoy doing that. Uh, if I had all of the resources that I needed, and I didn't have family that still depended on me. I would probably take up skydiving. I have done it once. Brenda gave that to me for a birthday present one year. She and just pushed you out the plane? Or? No, no, it wasn't that direct. <laughs> it wasn't that deliberate, but, you know, it made me question a little bit.
0: Here, <laughs> yeah, I found this question. cheap coupon for yeah, skydiving. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think they use straps on their parachutes, um, and so love that. That was one of those just amazing things to jump out of a plane and just it was just beautiful it was just gorgeous you see like at one point i was looking straight ahead and i am like oh that's interesting there's a there's a cloud going up past us and then it's like oh no that cloud's not going up we're going down past the cloud so it was great and i like immediately i would love to do like just to get to the point where you could do it without an instructor you know Mm -hmm. on your back and do the free fall stuff it's just it's beautiful it's a beautiful thing So yeah, that's hobby. Uh, I like remodeling too. Over the twenty years in Leo and some of the some of the time here, we've done some pretty extensive remodeling projects. Some we've had to hire out, but some I like I like remodel work. That's fun. Huh? Yeah, I enjoy that.
0: Yeah. So let's uh, let's speed run a few favorite things. No thinking, just a few quick things. off the back. No, we're gonna ask, and you're gonna. Oh, okay. Okay. Favorite movie. Lord of the Rings. Favorite food.
1: Uh, sushi favorite color blue favorite, favorite
0: drink ooh,
1: water actually water <laughs> is my favorite drink tv show tv show i don't want amazing race i really yeah. like amazing race it's got that adventure piece to it you know really uh gets people all around the world i love travel so it's a good it's a good good one. song <laughs> probably bohemian rhapsody scent scent Man I don't know that I've ever thought about a favorite scent before It's a good icebreaker Probably steaks on the grill Wow That is amazing (laughs) Gift card Why is that amazing? It just is Okay What's your favorite gift card? Uh, Some kind of restaurant that I can take my wife to What's the worst gift
0: card you could receive?
1: (laughs) Bed Bath & Beyond (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah good speed run good speed run let good. us know good. if
0: you uh want to see that more often we had some
1: feedback that was fun yeah i've yeah. never i've never heard that one is, yeah. is, is that new on me i think that's new that's, okay. yeah right yeah that was it's fun. still
0: we we had some kinks to work out but well i think that's good that was fun yeah, yeah. it definitely forced me to think a little bit like man like yeah. the favorite
1: scent i don't know but I we
0: know. could get someone to stumble like
1: <laughs> mess up their words, say something dumb. <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: But you could handle it. Okay, thank. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about growing up a little bit. Okay. Um, you said you were Mennonite growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did a little bit of research, actually. Okay. Um, tried to
1: find the differences. Um, mm-hmm. What are the differences? Good question. So um, when you say Mennonite, like, like with most denominations, that's, there's a pretty broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so like all the way on the one end of the spectrum is, is people who are Amish or almost Amish, like horse and buggy and you know, very plain clothes. On the other end of the spectrum are people who look like anybody else on the outward appearance. And that's, more, that's pretty much the direction that Brenda and I both grew up, uh, was that kind of a home, uh, and that kind of a church. But the the real distinctive that I can think of, just practical distinctive, growing up, one was the church had no musical instruments in it until mm-hmm. I was like I don't know ten or twelve probably, and then my dad was involved in church leadership, and so he helped lead the way to get to get instruments into the church, and it was a long process and took took quite a while, but um, but he led the church into that, that so that was really cool. Um, so that's one distinctive for us. And so, which, this is a cool thing, and I, it's one that, I love the songs that we do in church. I have no problem, like, it's great. But Brenda and I both grew up doing four-part harmony. And in her church, they used piano and some other instruments earlier. But in our church, it took a long time. And so we just learned how to sing. We learned how to sing parts and do all the harmonies and stuff. And so that was, that was a, cool, that's huh. a cool piece of my heritage that I really like. Um, and then another distinctive... About the Mennonite Church, and probably the one that it would be the most well known for is its uh, pacifist stance, non-resistant. So, uh, based on some of the teaching in the New Testament, uh, the Mennonite Church concluded that that the best teaching is nonviolence, meaning don't go to war, don't you know, you don't hurt another human being, and so. Um, so that was one of the things we grew up with. I always wrestled with some of that though. Cause like, well, but we call the police if we need something. And then, so we're just asking somebody else to use force. So I, that was one that I never quite yeah. followed. I think personal non-resistance is a very biblical thing. I think for a country, non-resistance is not. So like in our personal relationship being not being, don't punch me. Yeah. Don't yeah. punch you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That seems pretty reasonable. Seems pretty biblical. Um, but when you're talking about military and police i think there's yeah. some some room for different kinds of understandings where mennonites would make that more blanket yeah
0: i saw i saw that i also saw like children weren't supposed to be baptized and some mennonites well
1: yes that would be so that would be one that's like right in harmony with where we stand as a church okay. is that is that they would practice a, a believer's baptism. Yeah, and so like for me, when I became a believer at age seven, then I was an eligible candidate for baptism, but they wouldn't do baptism like of infants and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So the the that was one of the things that Mennonites were known for early on. Like when during the Reformation, when the Lutherans and Catholics were fighting, you know, the people breaking off from the Catholic Church were fighting. Well, the Mennonites kind of broke off from everybody. And they were called Anabaptists, them and some and some other groups too. But they were called Anabaptists because they were re-baptizers. So these people who had been baptized as infants were were saying, as adults, "No, I I want to make this decision for myself." And so when I get baptized, I'm choosing that. And so that was kind of the start of that that in in uh, that part of church history, the Mennonites were a part of starting that that. Uh, anabaptist movement i mm-hmm. talked about yeah
0: and then you said you grew up in Huntertown. i did correct i did were
1: you a carol grad i was i was carol chargers what did what did high school look like for you that's a good question high school um i was a pretty straight kid i was pretty like followed the rules i was afraid to get in trouble I, as i look back i realized that fear fear was a uh, bigger part of my life, like not just fear of the boogeyman, but like fear of, of getting in trouble, fear yeah. of doing something wrong, perfectionism. Uh, so I was a manager for the football, basketball, and track teams. So And they like actually sent me to camps and stuff. So I, I like had legit training to know how to take people's ankles and whether to do an ice whirlpool or do heat on an injury that kind of stuff. So I helped with so all you, of those things. You weren't teams. just a water boy. You, right. Yep. Right. Didn't and make it clear. Yeah. And it was it was fun because I was kind of the coach's, like I mean he had assistant coaches, but I was kind of the coach's right hand man. Like he just, especially in basketball, and he was a Christian and mentored me a lot in that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I also this is a little known fact probably, um, so Carroll High School is when I went there was kind of in the middle of nowhere kind of like not much around it but i grew up in Huntertown, and so i would walk when i started in high school i would walk to the elementary school and then catch a bus at the elementary school and get taken to the high school and on my way to walking to the elementary school there was a little store a little convenience store not a gas station thing but a convenience store and that was right when uh the new kind of bubble gum, it's not new now, but like Bubblelicious and Bubble Yum, like the, like the big chunks of gum. That was right mm-hmm. when they came out. Okay, So I would buy those, and I started out with like one or two packs a day. I would buy those for 25 cents a pack, and I would take them to school, and I would sell them to kids. And if they wanted a whole pack, I'd sell them a whole pack for 50 cents. Or I'd open them up and there were five pieces and I'd sell them for 10 cents a piece. So I double my money every day on the, the gum that I had bought. And by, like, <laughs> by, by, by Christmas break, I literally was carrying a, a brown paper bag like you would pack a lunch in. I was carrying that around and I was buying like 20, 30, 40 packs of gum a day. And I started buying it. I worked out an agreement with the store, and I started buying some of the flavors, like Wild Cherry and Orange bubblelicious. Started buying it by the, by the Kate, like, <laughs> like their case <laughs> because it, was, it made me more money that way. And some, te- some teachers hated it, and they didn't want me – like there was no school rule against it, yeah. but they hated it, and they wouldn't let me do it in their classroom. So I could sell it like right outside the door between classes and then come in. And other people – um, other teachers would actually buy gum from me because they wanted a piece of gum too. And part of it, again, like you, you think about business and entrepreneurialism, and uh, like there's there's environmental factors that go into success of business. One of the environmental factors for me was the location of the school. You know, nobody like I'm I'm one one of the few that goes right yeah. past the store every morning. But our school lunches cost ninety cents, and so most kids came to school with a dollar to buy their lunch. And so they'd buy their lunch and they'd get a dime back. So they have this dime. What do you do? Oh, I'm going to go buy a piece of gum. Huh. So, so I got the nickname as the gum boy. <laughs> and um, this would have been, let's see, we got married in 92. So this was probably like mid to late 90s. Brenda and I did a vacation up to Mackinac Island. And so this would have been over a decade after I was out of school and we saw somebody on the ferry from Mackinac Island and I recognized her and I'm like, Hey, did you go to Carroll high school? And she's like, yeah, were, were you the gum boy? I'm like, Yep. That's me. <laughs> so yeah, hey. so I was the gum boy, but over the course of, over the course of high school, I made thousands of dollars selling dumb. <laughs> yeah. It was a good gig. Paid for my first car. I mean, it was a good no gig. No way. Yeah. Did you have to file taxes? No, I didn't pay taxes on that. Um, we can I don't cut think that I, out. I don't think it? I hit the threshold. <laughs> uh, and then there was a kid uh, kid that was a uh, sophomore when I was a senior. and he, So when I graduated, he wanted to continue because he thought, oh, I'll, I'll do that. I'll make some money off of that. Yeah. But the school made a rule. The like, like, they let me finish out my career <laughs> and, then, and then they're like, no more. When so I started that. And this like, freshman year, it mm-hmm. went all the way through high school, mm-hmm.
0: and no one undercutted you, nothing. no, yeah.
1: huh? Nobody came in, and like, I had loyal customers, and <laughs> it was great, yeah, it was great, huh? Yeah, that was I fun. Don't, so that was part of high school for me, too. Did you
0: like being called gum boy?
1: I did not care, yeah, okay, so okay, so part of it, uh, I am on the shorter side of life. And I was always short in school. I was the shortest kid in my class, boy or girl, up until my freshman year when a kid moved into our community that was a little bit shorter than me. Um, So so I was the shortest all the time. And so I think, I don't know, partly just the way God wired me and partly, I think the short thing helped with that. Like I just very early on, like, I, I don't care. You can think I'm short. You can call me short. You can so it didn't really huh. like it did matter. How tall are you? Uh, five eight. So I'm not. That's I'm not, not like, short. <laughs> that's short compared to a You're lot the of people. V- shortest kid at five eight. Well, I wasn't five eight when oh, I was okay. in kindergarten. So my mom, Jordan Chapel, loved these stories. So uh, my mom has these stories about me when I was little. So when I started kindergarten, like mom would drive me to school, drop me off, and I would go up to the school doors, and I was not big enough to open the doors, so I would just wait. I just wait until another kid came along and opened the doors, and then I'd go in when they opened the doors. Because I literally, like, I just physically, I was too small to open the doors. (laughs) If you were late, I just waited. (laughs) (laughs) Just waited because I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't big. I was really small. Dang. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So after high school, where did you decide to go to college, or did you go to college? Oh, yeah so i went out of high school i went to taylor upland and i got a scholarship there because high school came pretty easy for me um i I didn't study much because it came easy so i didn't ever learn how to study so i got to taylor and i started out pre-med because and it, and it seriously it was not anything about helping people it was not it was just because I thought oh if I'm a doctor I'll make money so that literally was it okay I, I mean that fit right in with yeah. the gum you know gum sales you know I just want to make money and uh, after two weeks of college chemistry I decided this is stupid this is not for me I, this is hard <laughs> and so um, so and part of my uh, part of being in college my work study program. Uh, was being a, a manager trainer for the basketball team. So I got paid to do what I had done through high school, volunteer, loved it. And so I switched to sports medicine and athletic training. I thought, oh, okay, I can, I can do this. I'll, I'll work this direction because that's not as you know, not as many years of schooling as a doctor. And about halfway through the basketball season, I got to interact. With, Taylor did not have its own athletic trainer, a professional athletic trainer, just had student ones like me. Uh, but other some other schools did have a like a staff athletic trainer. And so I got to interact with them and I realized, oh, pretty much their primary work hours are after school and weekends because that's when the sporting events are. Mm-hmm. And I still at least had enough sense, like I don't wanna have a family, I don't think that's gonna be conducive to family life. And so then I was just undecided the rest of my freshman year and my freshman year grades reflected both that I was living in rebellion, had no purpose in life, no major, like I was, my grades just tanked. Hmm. If you look at my high school grades compared to my first year college grades, it was terrible. So I dropped out after a year, quit, and lived back at home and got a job at a machine shop and worked in a machine shop for almost 15 years went through their apprenticeship program became a journeyman tool and die worker so I learned how to work machines make do stuff with metal and really loved that so much value in that Um, and yeah really benefited from from that and then uh, after it was during those years when I was working at the machine shop. That's when God got a hold of my life again that night when I came home and mom asked me to read a certain verse or a couple verses. And, uh, and so then, so the guys at the machine shop, like they got to see that transformation. One of the things uh, when, I was bo- when I was at Taylor, sorry, mom, you probably didn't know this part, but like I was one of the two most foul mouthed guys on, the, on my wing at Taylor. I mean, I was just—and mm-hmm. my mouth was filled. I mean, I wasn't following Jesus, and my life reflected it. Like, that just—they yeah. go together. Um, the, If you don't follow Jesus, your life's going to reflect that somehow. So that's how—part of how it was for me. And so yeah. when I was working at the machine shop, I was right in there. And, and so that was one of those things, like, that just—God just changed. Like, for some people— who are smokers, like for me, smoking was never a thing. But for some people who are smokers, sometimes when they try to quit, for some people, it's like bam, it just, it just happens and they just are able to quit and God gifts them with that. Other people, it's a wrestling match to quit smoking for most of their life. And for me, I think, I think cussing is the same thing. And for me, it was one of those, like, snap your fingers, and it was just gone. So that was one of those that, like, I had my opportunities to share with the guys at the shop a lot because they're like, what is, what happened to you? Because you don't talk like you used to talk. So that was, that was kind of cool. And, yeah, so I worked at the machine shop for almost 15 years, and it was during that time when my life got transformed. After it did, a youth pastor at the church I was going to, side note, One of the rules about living at home still, during my rebellious years, mom and dad were like, we know what you're doing. We know you don't... You're not living for God right now, but if you're going to live here, you have to go to church someplace every week. Like, that just has to be the norm. Yeah. I'm like, okay, free rent. I'm good with that. An hour a week for free rent? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. That's pretty cheap. Um, (laughs) So I was already going, and so I, I knew some people at the church I was going to, and... Um uh, so when God got a hold of me again and turned my life around the youth pastor even though I was like early 20s at this point the youth pastor took me under his wing discipled me and then asked me to start like peer leading a young adult group that we had at the church so I started doing that and then after a few years of that he came back to me at one point and I mean we had stayed in stayed in communication even though he wasn't formally discipling me mm-hmm. but at one point he was like, Brad, whatever, whatever pastors have, whatever it is that pastors have, I think you might have it. And so that started me, I'd been at the shop for probably about six years at that point. And that started me on a whole different journey of like praying and seeking counsel. I talked to my parents, talked to the other pastor at the church, talked to some other close friends and people affirmed that. And I felt like God affirmed, yeah, that that gifting might be there. So then I went back to school at what, here in Fort Wayne. I was still working at the shop, but I started going to school. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Taylor, Fort Wayne. Well, it was Fort Wayne Bible College, and then it shifted to Taylor, Fort Wayne. And so all of that terrible first year of grades that I had from my freshman year at Taylor Upland, uh, those grades actually counted then. And I actually got to use those credits because they, so it made my grade point average lower, but, but who yeah. cares? But it made it so I didn't have to take. 10 hours of college chemistry again. And, and so then I, I loved school at that point because I had a goal, had a purpose, and was living for God.
0: Yeah. When did Brenda come in the picture?
1: She came in the picture two different times. Um, oh, shoot. Fun, fun story <laughs> because, because of how God, again, how God works in our lives. You can never plan it ahead of time, but you just look back and just go, wow. So when I was going to the Little Mennonite Church that I grew up by over by Carroll High School... And she was going to the Little Mennonite Church that she grew up in over by Valparaiso. Okay. Uh, We both, both of our youth groups got invited down to this church in Kokomo. And they were having like a youth retreat weekend. And so they invited us down there. So we met. And at that point, she she had a very similar growing up to me. And she also was kind of in rebellion at that point. So we met and flirted around. And we... She had a couple siblings that lived in Goshen, Indiana at the time. And so after that weekend, we drove halfway and met in Goshen, had a couple dates even, wrote a couple letters back and forth. But I'm telling you, like... I was not marriage material. She wasn't doing great in her life. And so that relationship. Like just, high school time. She was just at the end of high school and I was just out of high school. Okay, And and like they knew it, but they still like our youth group was four people. So they're like, yeah, you can come even though you're out of high school. So <laughs> so that's how we met. So that's how we met. And so we dated a few times and then that was it. So then fast forward six years later. And I, I actually, I think I had probably just started – working at the machine shop at that point when I went to that little weekend retreat and Mm -hmm. met her. So fast forward six years later, I'm literally in this process where this youth pastor has told me that I think you might have what it takes to be a pastor. You might have whatever gifting God gives for that. I'm in that process of praying through that and discerning that. And parallel to this, my family ran this softball tournament for Mennonite teams. And teams came in from all over. They came in from kansas and florida and michigan to play softball slow pitch softball it was a big deal um they nicknamed it we didn't call it this but other people nicknamed it the mennonite world series so just just a joke yeah i know it was always on labor day weekend and so brenda at this point had just graduated from college and she came she came to i know i'll just give you time to process that while i take a drink
0: is there gonna is there photos of this yeah, I'm,
1: my family has photos, I'm sure.
0: And, like, there were the extreme Mennonites like,
1: dressed... No, not like, not like Amish people, not like that. But, yeah. like, like some teams came and would play in jeans and T-shirts, but other teams came in full-on uniforms. Like, it okay. just depended on the church and the team and who they were. And but there was the no sponsor.
0: Amish dress? No. Baseball? Okay. No. That would be kind of funny. No. but There were some
1: guys that had beards that kind of looked like they could be Amish, but... <laughs> But they were just more on that conservative end. Uh, but but there were, like, at its peak, and we ran it for 25 years, at its peak there were, like, 64 men's teams and 16 women's teams, and it was a double elimination tournament. So it took the entire Labor Day weekend to run the tournament oh. through. Uh, yeah, it was it was fun. And our, our whole family, like, Dad did most of the organizing through the year. I helped him with it. And then our family came together and did the stuff on, on the weekend of. So Brenda's brother, Brenda has a – several siblings and one of her brothers was playing in the tournament for a church in Goshen. She was living in Goshen because she had just graduated from Goshen College. And so she came down to watch him. And because I helped my dad through the year, dad included my name on some of the literature. And so, so my life has been changing, has been being transformed since the first time I met her. I have no idea, but her life has been, she like renewed her life with Christ too during that six years. And so she's come, she comes to watch this tournament, watch her brother play. And, and her mom actually saw my name on some of the stuff. And she's like, didn't you date a Brad Miller at one point? And she's like, yeah. But she didn't want to see me. She didn't want to see guys from, from that phase of her life. And so every, every year on the Sunday of the tournament, we had a church service at the mm-hmm. Ball Diamond. Just had it right there. And after that church service she and I literally came around the corner of a concession stand at the ball diamonds and like almost physically ran into each other, nice. which she told me in hindsight, like it's a good thing it happened that way. Cause she would have like, had she seen me from a distance, she would have gone the other way. Cause she just, she didn't want to see me. She was not interested mm-hmm. in the kind of friendship we had back then. Um, I was not a respectful guy and so she was not interested in that and I don't blame her. So we just, like almost ran into each other. We started talking, and literally, literally within a minute or two of of re-meeting, we started talking about how God had changed us from from that first time we knew each other. And there were apologies and repentance, and I'm sorry for how I treated you, and, you know, that was mutual. And we went out on our first date that night, and we got engaged five and a half months later and got married (laughs) five and a half months after that. So. Oh. Where so the, that's how I met Brenda. Where was the date? The date was a triple date with uh, her parents <laughs> and her brother that she had come to see play softball. Her brother was just starting to date her roommate. And so uh, so the, th- the three couples went to Cheddar's in Fort Wayne and putt-putt. That was our date. Was, that, okay. was it weird with her parents on the first date? It wasn't. We were very... Uh, we were very enamored with each other and so it was kind of like we were having our own conversation and then those four were having their own conversation and I'm, i mean i'm sure we engaged some yeah but they told us later like yeah it, you guys you guys were you were connecting right from the beginning
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you win papa
1: honestly i don't know we, that is one thing okay so i have a i have a list of people to suggest for you but one of them is brenda because yeah. um, I know because I know you guys will yeah. often ask people one of them's Brenda because she's just amazing she's great she homeschooled our daughters I mean she's got stories so yeah she's great uh, but we are very competitive and um, whether it's like playing volleyball you know but just pick up volleyball just you don't play just for fun. You play to win the game. You exactly. play to win. Of yeah. course. Thank and so you. you want to have fun alone. Losing the way. isn't fun. Right. Yeah. You play to win. And so I'm sure that we play we both played to win, but honestly, I don't remember who won. And she she is a very, very graceful loser if she happens to lose. Unless it's to me. if she, <laughs> if she loses to me. Card game, sports. That's harder for her, and we're very competitive. With so each Brenda
0: won, is what you're saying? And.
1: She might have. I don't. I honestly don't know. I don't remember. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Brenda won. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, and did you guys
1: live in Leo immediately? No. Um, when we got married, yep. I had just started back to school full time, uh, and so I was working part time at the machine shop and full time student, and she was working full time uh she was she has a social work degree, so she was doing that and um and so we lived in Fort Wayne at the married student housing for the college oh. lived there a couple of years till I graduated and then we um, then we moved to uh over to the neighborhood by lakeside Park and then out further northeast uh off of uh Maplecrest Road and then out to leo so kind of worked our way out north all yeah. the time and then Columbia City. And then to Columbia City. Yeah. So we kept going north, 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 and then took a jaunt after this. Yeah. Way.
0: So we're here now. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the cool things you've experienced here at First Church. Some um, cool things. I guess what drew <clears throat> you here? Because you said you were comparing with a different church in Auburn mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. What drew
1: you here? Uh, felt like there was a lot of life here like there's a lot of enthusiasm and yet a groundedness too. Like sometimes you can get a lot of enthusiasm without grounded and then, or you can get grounded without enthusiasm, but it felt like both were here. Uh, God used during, during those months where I wasn't employed here, God used Johnny's sermons and Holly's things. You know how Holly will like between songs, like she'll do every now and then she'll just throw in a little couple minute scripture thing like god just used those things to heal us and as a or as a part of our healing from the trauma of the past church and so it was it was just good and and then when we like started looking at doctrinal stuff like things just lined up with how we believe how how we fit and as we went through the interview process, the other church was much more of a seeker, like a seeker-focused church, and that's just not. What do you mean by that? Uh, they, their real emphasis. Their emphasis seems to be. It's not that they don't want to disciple people, but they want to use big things. Uh, in general, a seeker church will want to use big things, big events, to draw people in and be more of an attraction model. Instead of, like, having the people of the church grow, be discipled, be rooted in his word, and love God through prayer and worship, and go out into the community and bring would people on Would you say that. that's what Fall Fest is, though? Fall Fest is yeah. one thing that would be more like that, mm-hmm. but it's one thing that we do. It's a very small piece of what we do. It's once a year. Yeah. Picture, picture doing that. All of the time so to have a fall fest that is complemented by people being out in the community and loving people and loving their neighbors and inviting Mm -hmm. people that's fantastic but if it's just hey let's send flyers out and let's do advertisements and let's advertise hey we're having the next uh, again sorry this probably sounds really negative about churches that do that there are good people who love Jesus who are in churches like that but that's not a style that fits me. Yeah. And, you, and you can tell, I prefer not, I don't prefer that style. Yeah. Um, first church, I feel like we fit at first church. It doesn't make sense um, to go to a church where you don't fit, where your philosophy is different. Fair, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um,
0: and I guess, what are your roles here, your mm-hmm. day-to-days? And...
1: So I get to be a part of leading the the small group leaders yeah so just staying in touch with them and asking like today I was just I was communicating with one of them and I'm like how how can I pray for you this week and so just doing that kind of personal connection with them resourcing them doing training for them uh, planning out classes and uh, and groups sorts of things uh, so that's one end of it uh, actually when I started holly was doing she was the one who was over all of the women's bible studies but she needed to move out of that area so that so the women's bible studies are under me too now just as a part of discipleship because i want to see people discipled whether it's men or women mm-hmm. and so so those are under me now so working with the leaders of those groups as well uh, and i love that i love just it's it's such a privilege to get to know people and to be to be welcomed into their lives um you know, when you know people and you love them, and you, and you can't do this for a thousand people, but you can do it for a smaller group of people. You can get to know them, and, and when somebody decides to open up and share something personal with you, something they're struggling with, something that was a real high or real low, lows are the harder ones usually, and, and when people do that, like it's just such, a, it's such an honor to be a part of people's lives like that. Um, when when you get invited into a family or a household when like there's issues going on and they're not getting along and they and they they want you to help like that's just a, such an amazing thing and so so that care aspect is a little bit of what I do too it's like helping out um, visiting people uh, I do a little bit of that again not a ton but some of that and it's just it's just such an honor to be a part of this first church family it Mm -hmm. really is that's honestly that's such a cool thing it's one of the things that that i just love about being here
0: yeah so you handle some small groups Mm -hmm. discipleship Mm -hmm. caring Mm -hmm. yeah you also you have
1: in a while but teach
0: occasionally Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah i i love doing that when i get a chance to Mm -hmm. i'm I, I'm not the one to do it every week, but I love doing that on occasion as well.
0: Yeah. How so. does that kind of get decided when you do?
1: Um, like when Johnny was here, that was mm-hmm. really just up to Johnny. That was his call, and he would ask me if he wanted me to fill in on a Sunday or something. So yeah. that was. So I would guess that it'll be the same when the new lead pastor comes, that yeah. it'll just be when they—and again, some, some would do it more— um, like, hey, I'm going to be gone this weekend, and you, could somebody fill in for me? Something like that. Some do it uh, with a strategic piece in mind, like uh, to say, hey, we we want to hear a different voice on this subject. Uh, we want to hear, we want to have the congregation hear different voices on this. So let's let's do a team thing on this or something. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, can different. be used intentionally that different way. Yeah, yeah. Again,
1: again, different philosophies. I don't think there's a right or a wrong, but there's a different philosophies to those Mm
0: -hmm. yeah who do you work closely with through your days
1: Uh, I work closely with Rob Uh, Rob is a fantastic (laughs) boss and executive pastor Um, love working with him he's been a real blessing to me personally and to our church family really grateful to have him and then the rest of the staff too that's there's other staff members like Mindy Hoffman's been here I mean, when I think of of other people, that would be really cool for for people to get to hear from. Mindy Hoffman has been at the church for decades and loves the church and serves the church so well. Uh, So I I interact with her a lot, interact with Holly and Debbie and uh, Penny, those other three pastors that we have here. I mean, because it's those three and Rob and I at this point right now. And so just outstanding staff the ladies in the front office are amazing holly schrader doing kids pm like there's just so many dynamic people here i love working with the staff here it's a really it's a really healthy staff i think
0: yeah of course um you touched a little bit
1: earlier on your um guys trip to belize yeah you tell us a little bit more about that sure uh we uh, there were eight of us that went it was a mixed group as far as ages go so there was uh four teenagers and four adults, and uh, the I didn't have any of my kids go on this, but the other three adults had mm-hmm. those, those four kids were their kids. And so we went with a group called Kids Connect for Jesus, and we got connected to them through Jamie D. That's another one. Heather Ward is another one on the, on the Global Outreach team. Have them in, talk to them. Uh, sorry, I've just booked out the rest no. of your year. Right? No, uh Uh, kids connect for jesus they are all about sharing the gospel and making disciples share the gospel make disciples and then they'd use all these different means to do it they're really focused but they're really creative in how they get that done so what we did was just one of this one of the ways that they work down there we went in to an elementary school and basically the teachers let us have the classrooms for for these fifth sixth seventh and eighth graders the the seventh and eighth were in the morning and the fifth and sixth graders were in the afternoon. Now, again, that's not what they call them, but that's kind of our equivalent. Yeah. And we did our stellar VBS program with them. And it was, it was just amazing being in the classroom, being able to teach the kids about Jesus, being able to see the team in action, like see these people, some of them I didn't know as well when we went on the trip, especially some of the teenagers. I didn't know them, but they were just amazing. Amazing. So getting to see our church family flourish in a setting that we're not usually in, getting to interact with the kids and adults in Belize was was great, and getting to see this organization. And I, I hope there's some trips in the future that we can do with them. Uh, Belize is an English-speaking country, so that makes it a That's lot easier for us to go, and it's a pretty safe place. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of need there. Um, a lot of people know about Jesus already, but there's a lot of need there too. So Yeah. You can hear about Jesus but not understand yeah. as
0: well, which yeah. is huge. Yeah. That's a cool opportunity. Yeah. Um, global outreach team,
1: mm-hmm. what is that? That is the team that is uh, – that's part of my responsibility here is to lead that team. Mm-hmm. And that team is responsible then for what we do as far as outreach goes. So – that team has helped craft and shape and again that team existed before i got here but that team helped craft the idea that our that globally we want to be really focused cuz there are there's thousands of organizations we could partner with globally what we have decided to do is to aim our global outreach stuff our our international outreach at unreached people groups people groups like here if you want to know about jesus here in columbia city and you don't know about Jesus, you can probably figure it out. You can probably ask around, mm-hmm. and somebody will be able to say, well, go to that church, or go to this church, or go talk to this person. I know they read the Bible. Like, or you can just go to Walmart and buy a Bible. Like, you can, There's a way you can figure out how to know about Jesus. But when we're talking about unreached people groups, these are places in the world where they don't have any of that. There's no churches. There's no Christian witness. There's no bibles available or or so so minimal that people wouldn't even know that they exist there so so we've decided to aim as much as we can towards unreached people groups then the global outreach team also we worked together on this to figure out but locally we want to be really broad we want to just try to help lots of organizations here locally lots of organizations that again that align with our missions and values Mm -hmm. so um so we help places like the Hope Center and Mission 25, and uh, we partner with them. And, it's, and like, it's really good for us, too, to be partnered with places like that. Uh, Salvation Army uh, helps, helps a lot of people, and we have, again, our, our values align with them. And so they want to share the gospel, we want to share the gospel. So mm-hmm. we use them. So that's what the Global Outreach Team does. And that's Jeremy Freeman and Heather Ward and Jamie D. and Austin and Nancy Ferguson.
0: Yeah, what do you guys kind of look for in a local
1: organization? Uh, good. Uh, that would be an organization that again that aligns with our mission yeah. and values. That's really the primary thing, and that there's a need. We don't want to give people money or send send people to go volunteer someplace where. Well, no, we don't. We don't really need anything right now. We're all good. So we look for places that are about kind of like what Kids Connect for Jesus talked about, like share the gospel and make disciples. Share the gospel and make disciples. If that's what a group wants to do and they do it through helping people who are in transitional life places and they need help with learning how to rehab out of drugs, we want to do that. If they're in jail, we want to do that. We want to partner with people who are doing jail ministry. If it's people in crisis pregnancy and they want to love people through that and share the gospel and make disciples, then we want to partner with them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the criteria we use for that.
0: Yeah. um, Kind of a different topic. Um, and we may not talk about this, but you have a bar ministry? Uh,
1: I wouldn't call it a bar ministry yeah. per se. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's really like, that's kind of my own time. That's, that's, not, that's not work for yeah, me. Yeah, of course. That's yep. just me. So I go into a local bar um, about once a week and i just hang out there and when i went in like again i don't i don't go in with open bible and hey let me read this to you and let me tell you about jesus go going hey how are you tonight and start talking with people and over the um, i couldn't go in during covid because you couldn't go in any place during covid yeah. but since covid i like seriously these it's like family there. Like they're just, they're good friends at this bar and I love them. And I think, I think they love me too. Like it's really an amazing thing. I've built good relationships with them. And part of that is so, so when I come in now, they know me and I get, you know, I sit down with people and they might ask me how my day was. And sometimes I'll talk about my motorcycle ride and sometimes I'll talk about how good or bad the Colts are doing. And sometimes I'll talk about my family. And sometimes I talk about Jesus, like they're just, they're my friends. And so when they ask me about it, Jesus is part of my life, just like Brenda's part of my life. And so, so sometimes I talk about Jesus and they hear that. So one time I remember I was talking about Isaiah 55, because it had just really impacted me and how God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so I'm like, you guys know, like, I don't, I don't try to preach to you guys, but like this is. You asked me, so could I read this to you? And they're like, "Yeah, please." So I read it to them and explained what had been hitting me, what had impacted me about how God loves so differently than what we love, and and like had great conversation around it. Like you could just see some some seeds being planted, and that's like, I can't save anybody. I I have no ability to do that, but I can point them to to Jesus. So we had a great conversation. There were about six of us there. At the table that night the next week i come back in and one of the people that was at that table happened to be at a different table and after i'd been there a little while he was like brad brad come over here will you will you share with them what you shared with us last week we that same thing will you share that with these guys and so i did and so now so that was kind of one of those turning points and so now we talk about the bible and god quite a bit and some of my friends are one of one of my friends, well, actually two, have come to church here, which, again, getting them to come to church, that is not the point. The point is, I want friends. I want to love people. That's mm-hmm. the point. Mm-hmm. They are my friends. If they decide they want to come to church, great. And, and so, you'll invite them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. If it fits, you're not I want anti don't people. come no, to church. No, not <laughs> at all. But I don't ever want anybody to think, oh, my goodness, friends of mine at the bar, if you ever see this, I don't want any of you to think that you're you're my friends because I want you to be a certain way. Yeah. I want you I do want you to know the love of God. I do. I do. I do. But that's just cuz I think it's the best thing ever. So just like you would tell somebody if you found the best steak at the best restaurant, you would tell somebody about that best steak cuz you're excited about it. So I tell you guys about Jesus. That's you know that's I hope you know that's how I am. And and so yeah, I'm not anti inviting them to church. Yeah. But typically the people that we know that don't yet know or love jesus inviting them to church isn't the best step let's love them just love Mm -hmm. people and and that should be true like we should love each other we should love people that we run into at walmart we should love people at the bar like that's just that's just how we should be known i was thinking about that actually on the trip what if we would become known not because we advertise it not because we not because we are um, doing a social media campaign. But because of how the individuals of First Church of God live their lives, what if we would become known as the church that loves people that are outside the church? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and maybe that. What if, what if what if we're behind the curve and there's other churches in Columbia City that are already doing that and we just join in with that and and the churches in Columbia City that preach Jesus that preach the gospel and want to make disciples if the churches in this town become known as churches who love people outside the church, that would change our community. And so, yeah. So I love my friends. I love them and I, and I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful. I actually bumped into one of them today outside the bar and it was great to see her. Like just, it's, we're friends and Mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jesus didn't hang out with just his
1: disciples. and Right. Right, Make, and he made I'm and, out with everyone. And, yeah, and the funny thing is, I a common question that I get from from bar friends that are new bar friends, like when I'm when I'm first meeting somebody, um, a common question that I get. It doesn't not everybody, but it's not uncommon for somebody to ask me, "Is it does your church know? Like, is it okay that you come in here?" And and I find that really interesting because what that implies is that their experience has been like Jesus experience with the Pharisees where the, the Pharisees hated it that he hung out with with people that weren't the religious people of the day they hated that mm-hmm. and that's part of why they why they wanted him out of there because he did not honor them the way they thought that he they should be honored and and so I think yeah why don't we go places wherever we go and again going into a bar is not for everybody it's not for every christian but whether you're going to work, whether you're going to school, whether you're going to a bar, whether you're going to Walmart, let's just love people. Yeah. Love people wherever we go with no strings attached. And then when the time is right, absolutely, I want to tell somebody about Jesus because he's the best thing that ever happened to me. Why wouldn't I tell somebody about that? But, but again, I want to respect them. They have the freedom to do what they, what they want with that.
0: Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. It's definitely interesting to hear that perspective. Yeah. That's not really like a known thing, is it?
1: No, because again, I don't I don't want any of my friends to feel like yeah like I'm doing it with ulterior motives. I just want to go in there because I love my town, I love the people of my town, and I love getting to know people. Yeah, that's and and again, sharing the best thing that happened to me. Yeah, that happens at points, and I definitely want to do that. And I would definitely want to see them grow there, but but that's not why I love them. Mm-hmm. I love them because. God loves me. God loved me when I was that stupid, rebellious teenager that was essentially flipping him off, telling him, I don't want anything to do with you. I'm going to live my life my way. And he loved me anyways. And so why wouldn't I try to love people that way, whoever I come in contact with? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's very simple. Yeah. not something we do well no it's not
1: it's not and believe me and i've told them like i tell people here like i'm gonna blow it like i'm gonna blow it if you know me very long i'm gonna offend you i'm gonna wound you i'm gonna sin against you somehow because the because the brokenness that's still in me i mean yes jesus has redeemed me but the brokenness that's still in me is it's real it's not it's not a pretend thing it's not a facade. And so that's going to spill out. Just ask my family. They will tell you. The ones who are closest to me <laughs> feel it the most. That's that's where it spills out the most. But if you know me very long, I'm going to offend you or sin against you somehow. And my bar friends know that too. And so I tell them like, hey, if I get out of line, tell me and hopefully I'll respond well to you and hopefully I'll repent and make it right. But But I'm a broken human being. So yeah, I love that. Um you've
0: seen all of these you said?
1: I've I've listened to all of them. Yeah, sorry, listen. Yeah, yeah, no um
0: So do you know what's coming? Is this the last question? Are we there? I believe we're there. Okay. What is your dream vacation?
1: My dream vacation. Um so I talked with no knowing I was coming on the show, I talked with Brenda about this and like kind of processed through whoa, what, whoa, what whoa. is it. Yeah.
0: Not hers, it's yours.
1: No, no no no, I know. Okay. I was just processing for myself. And so, of course, there's the things like I would love to go to Israel and see all the sites. W- that would be great. I would love to go to Rome and Corinth and Ephesus and see all the sites. Would love to. Excuse me. But if I had to do a dream vacation, a dream vacation with the no limits like you guys talk about. <laughs> Remember how I talked about uh, being a bike racer back in the day? Yeah. So we still follow the Tour de France. The big three-week bike race, over 2,000 miles every year. It happens in July every year. It's in France. happens over the course of three weeks. And it is an amazing spectacle, like just an amazing spectacle. So for Brenda and I to be able to go to France, and, and we would, I would probably want to go. I mean, again, th- there's no limits. Like, let's go for six weeks. So we're there for a week yeah. ahead of time, kind of get acclimated to the to the countryside, and then kind of follow the tour on around the country as it goes around the country. Watch different parts of the stages. Um, there are tour companies that do this thing where you can, like, either a day or the entire race. I'm not that good of a bike rider anymore. Like, I'm not in shape enough to do yeah. this. But there are some, because the race doesn't start till about noon in France, and then they'll ride, like... 80, 90, 130 miles, depends on the day, depends on what they're doing, but they'll, but they'll let regular people like me ride the course at like seven or eight in the morning. Like you can start riding the course. So you're out of the way before they ever start the race. So maybe some of the days I would get to go ride some of the course. Um, I would absolutely want to see the, the climb called Alp Duez. like check that out. If you've never heard of it, it's like got I don't know 18 or 21 switchbacks on it it is oh wow it is a brutal mountain that doesn't sound fun it is brutal (laughs) but it's beautiful at the same time so i'd want to go see some of those mountain stages and see them race there i would absolutely every year it finishes now on the Champs Elysees in paris under the arc de triomphe i mean you can see all of that i would want to go see that and so part of our vacation that if we go there a week before the race starts um, and following it around, like we get to see the Mediterranean, we'd spend a couple of days there, see the Alps and the Pyrenees, all of that would just be beautiful. And then for the last, like three days of the race, fly all of the rest of my family over daughters and any husbands that might be there at some point, fly them over. So they could see the last few days of the race with us. And then we'd have like another week together to spend in, huh. in France. That was very thought out. Yes, it was. I love it. It was because I've been listening. I've been paying attention. And I thought that's one thing that I've always wanted to go see the tour. So, like, yeah, the ancient historical sites would love that too. But the tour, that's just, mm, that's something. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Um, And then we've been asking people this here and there. You've mentioned some people, but Mm -hmm. who who should we... See you soon.
1: So those names I mentioned, yeah. uh, also my mom, Sue Miller, she oh. turned 90 this summer, and she is an amazing woman. And so it's one of those, like, does she contribute in a leadership way to First Church family? No. But she prays, and she loves people, and yeah, she's, she's pretty amazing. So she would be one. Uh, Brandon Smead uh, just started a men's small group. Uh, he's got an amazing testimony, amazing life. Uh, God's done great stuff in him. So he's and he's just fun. He's just got lots of stories. He's fun to talk to. Um, I think all, again, my coworker, all those people that I mentioned through the podcast, I would recommend. Yeah, and those folks. Hitting back on, you said your mom's not in leadership or anything. Yeah, you
0: don't we don't want just no, I know, I know. staff pastors I know. whatever if you're interested or know someone please reach mm-hmm. out um because our goal is not just to like get to know yes people that are up front and whatever now that's cool i think mm-hmm. that's very helpful um but to grow our community i mean it starts with congregation and mm-hmm. um even outside of our own first church congregation but Church,
1: yes, uh, community. Another one I had thought of earlier, Sean Ellis. Um, Sean Ellis is um, outstanding. Mission mission 25, 25. yep, yep, yep. She'd be another good one, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep, I believe. Um, I think the next episode after you is another pastor in the community. Oh, really? Cool. Um, which would be very neat. Um, I'm not sure if we'll have one in between or not, but.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that because yeah, we got to recognize where the we are the church, broad, mm-hmm. not yeah, not just not just yeah. Our it gets local. confusing
0: saying we're God's church and yeah. first church of God. Yes, <laughs> it does. It does um, for sure. No, no, no. We are the church. This isn't mm-hmm. a first church thing. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah,
1: I love it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for what you're doing. Again, I think it's it's a really cool thing helping. I I know people in our community and in our church better because of what you guys have done. And I love it. Well, thank I, I've you. grown yeah, in appreciation for people because of what you guys are doing. Yeah, yes. it's been really cool.
0: Well, and thank you for your kind words and then your time and yeah vulnerability tonight. It's been good. If you guys want to connect with Brad, reach out, please. Mm-hmm. Um, brad at Church. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or comment, reach out. Yeah. Um, unfortunately or fortunately um part of being on our show is uh you may get connected to people that's great <laughs> yeah that's great yeah well sweet thank Missions you guys and discipleship, baby yep thank you guys for uh listening or watching and we will see you next time peace peace grace and peace